You're listening to Recommended, where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. From childhood favorites to classics to new and forthcoming reads, you'll hear how the people who make books happen have been influenced by the ones they've read. Today, journalist and author Samantha Allen has chosen The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin, and debut novelist Lauren Wilkinson has chosen A Philosophy of Ruin by Nicholas Mancusi. Samantha Allen is the author of Real Queer America, LGBT Stories from Red States, and of Love and Estrogen. She is a GLAAD award-winning journalist who has written widely for publications including CNN, The New York Times, and The Daily Beast. She also holds a PhD in Women's, Gender, and Sexuality Studies from Emory University. Real Queer America is a tour through the surprisingly vibrant queer communities sprouting up in red states, offering a vision of a stronger, more humane America. Hi, I'm Samantha Allen, and The Left Hand of Darkness is my recommended. So this is a science fiction novel by Ursula K. Le Guin, one of my favorites, uh, written in 1969. Uh, A lot of it very relevant today, as a lot of classic science fiction goes. And it's about an envoy from a sort of like Star Trek-esque federation of of people called the Ecumen, who visits a wintry ice planet populated by people who are androgynous physiologically and who kind of one week out of the month enter a phase of reproduction in which they're assigned a sexual role. Um, And so it's this envoy's job. His name is Jen Lee I to serve as an ambassador for the Ecumen and persuade this planet to join the Ecumen. But really it's, it's not so much a plot driven novel as it is kind of like a, a study in, in the other. It's about Genly kind of learning the ways of this planet and befriending prime minister on the planet named Estraven. I'm really drawn to the character of Estraven. Genly, I, the ambassador, the envoy, kind of has a bit of trouble with how to perceive Estraven. And, and I would say the resolution of the novel is when they finally do become friends on this journey across a glacier um, as they're escaping a, a prison uh, where the envoy was imprisoned. But Jen Lee comes from Earth. Uh, he's a man and he's kind of a, he's a bit of a man's man. He's masculine. He finds it strange a little bit that, you know, these people on the planet that he's visited kind of enter this period of like uh, almost like animalistic heat during which some get assigned a more male sexual role and some get assigned a female sexual role and the body just kind of decides and and transforms and reshapes a little bit physiologically. He has a really hard time reckoning with that. He uses uh, masculine pronouns for everyone in the book, seemingly by default. And when he sees more effeminate qualities in people on this planet, it he doesn't quite know what to do with that. And there are just some really beautiful moments and conversations that they have together, Astrovin and Genly on the ice together that are just stirring and that, that I think speak to the beauty of encountering the other and accepting the other.
I read it as a teenager. I've, I've flipped back into it a bunch. And in just this past week, um, I listened to an audiobook version of it, which was really interesting. There's a lot of, uh, it's a sci-fi book. So there's a lot of place names and complicated people names that don't quite translate to the audio version. But what I, what I enjoyed about listening to it in audio form is in the book itself, uh, Jen Lee describes how on the planet, newspapers don't really exist. There technically is writing, but most people just have oral traditions or listen to things on the radio. Um, so it was cool to, to listen to the book and pretend like I was on this planet listening to a story being passed down. I mean, the, the other really interesting thing about like reading it as a teenager and reading it again now is um, as a teenager, I was still grappling to understand my gender identity. I hadn't yet come out as a transgender woman. I probably wasn't sure what those words meant as a teenager. I was raised with a very binary view of gender in the Mormon church. And so for me, reading this science fiction novel about this like planet full of androgynous people who could seemingly not, not switch sex, but be assigned into either sex role for a week out of the month, I don't know, that that was really stirring for me and really interesting to encounter. I think it unlocked some things that I might have only known what to do with later. And now coming to it, having come out as a transgender woman and transitioned and, and reading it, I see so much more the the beauty of these interactions between Jen Lee and Estrovin, between someone who who doesn't quite get how... He, he technically understands that gender can look different on another planet, but, but his heart still has a little way to go. And it just, now it just takes me back to all sorts of, I don't know, conversations with family members or friends or that kind of thing of helping their hearts get to the right place. I envy people who write fiction. It must take such restraint as a science fiction writer to come up with this great big idea like, oh, what about a planet full of androgynous people? And then to not just spend your entire book like, you know, hammering that big idea over and over again, but to kind of control yourself and then just make room for these little textural moments and, and to make your book about a relationship instead of like, let me dramatize this big idea in every way I can think of on my whiteboard. I mean, I would never want to compare my book favorably to The Left Hand of Darkness, but there definitely are similarities between Left Hand of Darkness and Real Queer America. Both kind of focus in on personal relationships and conversations during a moment of like political upheaval. Both of them are travel books and, and both of them, I think, broadly are about talking to the other talking to people who aren't like you, learning about their experiences and their approach to the world. You know, I think a lot of people think of, of journalism as this uh, very objective process where, yeah, I don't know, you're almost like a doctor swooping in to diagnose problems and and you have to keep this real stern emotional distance between yourself and the people you interview. And and that works for, for some kinds of journalism, but, you know, for LGBTQ journalism, like the kind I did in Real Queer America, like I really wanted to spend time with people, get to know them, 
build up that trust and and then get to know I don't know how they how they see the world. Their similarities I see and how how gently I think. Let me back up a bit. I think one of the most beautiful things about the left hand of darkness is that the way that gently finally comes to sort of love and accept Estrovin is by traveling with him. Um, I think there's something about travel that builds empathy, builds relationships, lets you see someone in a way that you haven't before. That's definitely informed my journalism. It informed Real Queer America in the sense that when when I was in these states interviewing people, I would say, what do you want to do? Do you want to go on a hike? Do you want to go out to eat at your favorite restaurant? Do you want to go on a drive somewhere? Let's go somewhere together. And in the process of getting from point A to point B, you also often get somewhere unexpected, which is kind of a point of personal understanding. I'm trying to think of any other science fiction I've read that does really interesting things with gender like that. You know, I have read a lot of like singularity science fiction where we're all like lines of code and I don't know, blocks of pigeons in the sky and that kind of stuff. And that's interesting for a different reason because it makes you think about like what what would gender even look like without humans if we were all just like uploaded into some... Uh, cyber consciousness or that kind of thing. But I mean, this book is just so startlingly original. And I think that's why it got, you know, the Hugo and the Nebula and such acclaim at the time. It it wasn't a sci-fi book with, uh, you know, all this action or about a a deeply alien planet of people. It It was just kind of a book full of conversations. It was a book of talking. And I just really took to that. That was Samantha Allen recommending The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin. Her book, Real Queer America, LGBT Stories from Red States, published by Little Brown & Co., is available wherever books are sold. You can follow her on Twitter at SLA Writes. Today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton & Company, Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to WW Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes 
that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Lauren Wilkinson earned an MFA in Fiction and Literary Translation from Columbia University and has taught writing at Columbia and the Fashion Institute of Technology. She was a 2013 Center for Fiction Emerging Writers Fellow and has also received support from the McDowell Colony and the Jurassic Residence Artist Program. Wilkinson grew up in New York and lives on the Lower East Side. American Spy is her first novel and follows FBI intelligence officer Marie Mitchell, who goes undercover in Burkina Faso during the Cold War. My name is Lauren Wilkinson, and my recommended is A Philosophy of Ruin by Nicholas Mancusi. A Philosophy of Ruin is about um, Oscar Boatwright, who is a young philosophy professor whose mother dies um, on a, a flight. In the book, in the rest of the book, you know, his mother dies on the first page of it. And in the rest of the book, he is grieving and behaving in a way that seems wildly out of character for a young philosophy professor. He also learns that his mother is in debt to someone who is, who is a self-styled philosopher, but Oscar sort of dismisses him as a, as a con man, as a, as a cult leader. His mother was really deeply depressed when she was still alive and this guy helped and his father is really concerned that, yeah, he, he, she ended up giving this guru like 80 grand. So Oscar needs money. (laughs) He's deeply grieving. And when he meets a young student who offers him the opportunity to make a quick buck, picking up cocaine (laughs) in in mexico uh he he obliges there is you know uh, a young woman he you know as i said he's a philosophy professor and his mother dies on the first page of the book and he's really grieving throughout the whole thing and in one sort of drunken night he sleeps with a woman who he realizes after the fact is in fact one of his students in his 101 class. So that's a bit of a disaster. (laughs) She gets him involved in, you know, in a little bit of trouble in a drug run. But it is so focused on on Oscar and and his grief that it he's just sort of my my favorite character because I felt like he was, I don't know, he was just so deeply excavated. And when you put his behavior in the context of grief, you know, you, you start to see someone who, you know, watch them unravel and see the effect of of that kind of pain on someone who is really thoughtful, but doesn't necessarily understand, doesn't see the consequences of what grief can do until it happens to them, I guess. So I, I don't know, I thought that was really, really well handled. Reading it made me excited to kind of watch a character 
you know, to be able to like observe myself figuring out what is really going on with a character. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know if that made any sense, but I was just like, you know, when you have a moment with a book where you stop treating them as like a character, but like as a person, <laughs> and you're just like, wait, this is, this is, you know, you always want to be, you almost feel like, oh, this is real, <laughs> you know, and then you have to take a moment and say, no, it's not. But that's like a kind of alchemy for me. It's a kind of magic in a book when that happens. So yeah, I think it really made me happy to have to remind myself that Oscar wasn't real. <laughs> I feel like it's um, genre bending in a way that I, I hope to be in my own work in the sense that it's ostensibly a genre book, but really investigates the internal life of the main character, Oscar Boatwright, <laughs> which is also an amazing name. <laughs> I think that there are a couple of books that I have read about uh, who that are sort of mashing up more quote-unquote literary fiction with, with, with genre. And I'm always excited to see how they do because I think that they defy certain expectations. Like people just say, oh, you know, literary fiction audience wants it to be straight literary fiction and a genre audience wants it to be straight genre. And I think that there's space for a blend of the two. So I'm always excited to see those books succeed. I have gone to a few events and seen Nick, you know, once or twice. So, of course, if I, you know, I've met him socially a couple of times, so I wanted to read his book. And I was just, I don't know, I was kind of blown away by it. You know, I think think it's just because it's like, it's really funny (laughs) in these moments that I was just like, wow. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I was like, oh... I felt a little bit jealous, you know, because I do know this, I have met this person and then, and they were like, oh yeah, I've written a book. And then you actually read it and you're like, oh, this is good. (laughs) And as, as an author, like I want to, you know, I, I want his book to be good, but you know, I'm still a little jealous. I won't lie. (laughs) I'm sort of revealing though that a secret about me, which is I don't (laughs) recommend books that often. I feel like a lot of pressure. (laughs) Like I feel like, People are like, oh, you know, you're a writer. Recommend a book I'm going to like. And I'm like, oh, God, what, what if it's like I, I mess up? So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I hold myself to this ridiculous standard that no one else is holding me to. I just do. That was Lauren Wilkinson recommending A Philosophy of Ruin by Nicholas Mancusi. Her debut mystery, American Spy, is published by Random House and is available wherever books are sold. You can follow her on Twitter at Thrillkinson. Many thanks to Samantha Allen and Lauren Wilkinson for sharing some favorites with us. Thanks also go out to our sponsors for making today's episode possible. If you like what you're hearing, please do drop by on Apple Podcasts to leave us a rating or a review. We're always happy to see the feedback and reviews help other bookish listeners to find our show. You can find show notes, including titles mentioned, at bookriot.com slash recommended, and you can email us feedback, personal favorites, and suggestions at recommended at bookriot.com. 